This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. So, but let me ask you this. Uh, I just have a question for you. What law did you break this week? Anybody? What law, what law did you break this week? Why, did you, did you speak? Don't answer. Don't raise your hand. Online campus, I guess you're all by yourself. But let's put that question up there, right? What law? So did you speed? Oh, no. Nobody here speeds, right? No, no one speeds. Um, did you kind of like almost stop at the stop sign, but you didn't quite stop? I see some of you. Let's see, um, what, else, what else could you have done? Um, yeah, I, you know, maybe just didn't do everything exactly right. So here, I, I actually wrote our, our senator uh, email about, I think about two months ago, and I said, look, there's a law that you need to fix, basically. And it says school, school signs, school speed limit signs. So uh, I was actually kind of helping my granddaughter, one of my granddaughters, um, with, with this. I said, you just have to be careful because some school speeding signs, it's just posted 20 miles an hour between such and such hours, right? That's some of them. Some of them, like you have to slow down and do 20. If the light is flashing, right? So that's cool. I mean, you can see that. Um, some, um, it's 20 miles an hour if yeah, children are present, right, if kids are present, so you got that thing going. And then I saw one, it's 20 miles an hour if there's a flag on the speed limit sign. No flag, it's all cool. So here's what I did, I, 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 I wrote her, and I said, here's the problem, it's so hard to figure this thing out. So it would be a lot easier if we like just did one thing, right? Are you with me? Because um, it's just too hard otherwise. Let me show you a list of, of laws here from the Old Testament. Huh? <laughs> Look, I can guarantee, now, now you can't see all of them, can you? But I can guarantee that this number right here is 613. So how about keeping all of these laws? Would you be writing to somebody going like, that is just way too hard to do. We can't do that. God, that's just way too hard to do. Are you with me? And so we're talking about no other gospel. Our series is from the book of, of Galatians. And J. Vernon McGee, who is a Bible teacher from way back, and some of you have listened to him, really kind of gave us, I think, a, a road map, try to figure all this out as followers of Jesus. He goes like, you live by the law, you live by license, or you live by, by liberty. It's a good, good road map for our series called no other, no other Gospel. And what it really says to you and to me, uh, that we are called to go into this world and make, make disciples— and we're to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're the messengers of this gospel. So how do we do that? And that's what we're talking about. Not how do we do that, but what is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? So Paul's, Paul's correcting a theological error when he's writing to the churches in, in this region called Galatia. Um, there's a problem that has crept into the church and it was pulling people away from the truth of the gospel. That this gospel, right, is one of grace, not, not works. We've been talking about that. 
And the Galatians were listening to this false teaching and they were beginning to follow it. And so Paul's pointing out that, that error and that problem. I want to give you some assumptions here this morning or, or what we could call cautions. Number one, it makes a difference who you listen to, yeah? Yeah. So who are you listening to? It's a good question. It makes a difference who you follow. Not everything you hear and see is worthy of following. Big amen for that one, right? Not everything you hear and see is worth of following. And there is teaching and ideology that you and I are exposed to that is not biblical and seeks to draw us away. So you're presented with choices and I'm presented with choices every day on how we should live. And so we look to the Bible first of all to see and, 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 and only as our source in directing us and teaching us how we're to live out this life. We must be rooted in our beliefs, right? So you've seen a tree, I've seen a tree that was not, not rooted properly. Um, the wind came by, it blew, blew it over. We have to be rooted in our beliefs in the gospel of Christ because there's an all-out attack against who Jesus is and why he came. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. There is an attack against the gospel of Jesus Christ that has come to set us free and bring us together and unite us together. And, and we're pre being presented with choices day in and day out. That goes all the way back, by the way, um, to the first book of the Bible in Genesis, right? And, 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 and the choice that was presented to Adam and Eve was couched this way. Did God actually say that? Are you sure that God said that? And you're hearing that now today in, in a variety of, of, of forms. We've heard it presented that way. Almost regarding every area of life. We're being presented with choices that are inconsistent with biblical teaching. Did God, did God really say that? Or maybe it, it sounds more like this, like, let, just let me tell you, God said that, but let me tell you what God really meant to say. <laughs> as, as if we could do that, right? That God, you're the creator of the universe, you know, you are God, but I'm going to tell the people what you really meant to say, because you kind of messed that one up a little bit. So I just have two questions for you today. Number one, how are we doing? How are we doing? And secondly, how are we doing with the choices that we make? Because we're presented with them, aren't we? Um, it's like coming to an intersection and really not knowing which way we're going to go, but just kind of guessing which way may be right. I remember as, as a teenager, I was just had entered into my teen years and somehow, or for some reason, my mother let me go with a bunch of other teenagers and we headed out of state to a concert or something. I actually forget exactly what it was, but we went to this concert together and we got lost on the way back. So we dreamed up this plan of finding our way home, which it went like this. Let's just come to a stop sign. Let's just agree together which way we should go and guess and then go that way. Uh, I, here, here's, here's how that worked out, right? We were literally gone all night. I remember coming home, um, it was around five or six in the morning. Mom never said anything. I, I don't know. She slept through the whole thing at all. But that's how we decided we were going to determine which way we should go, which choice we, we, sh we should make. 
How's it working out? It's kind of this guesswork. The series No Other Gospel is founded on biblical truth that there is only one salvation and there is only one way. And what Paul, in essence, is saying to the Galatians, to the church in Galatia is this. Galatians, you're being presented with a choice and you are choosing the wrong road. You're choosing to go this direction when you should be going this direction. And you don't have to guess which road to take. The Bible is clear in its teaching when it comes to matters of faith and the way to salvation. The Bible couldn't be clearer in that. And Paul is saying like, you're listening and you're following a false gospel. The Bible gives us clear guidelines in how we're to live out this life of freedom, meaning that between living by law and living by uh, license, we can live by liberty. We can, we can live this life that Jesus meant for you and for me. But how do we navigate uh, this journey? I'm going to share with you some teaching that I, I was exposed to and I learned from. I've adopted it as kind of my, my roadmap. This may be the best part of the teaching for today. So if you're kind of nodding off a little bit, don't, don't do it for the next little bit. So I'm going to give you some things I think that will really, really, really help you. I learned it from a professor at Western Seminary in an online course. It's called, it's called the four D's. And I think they help us navigate some of these, these questions. Mature believers know that keeping the main thing the main thing is critical. It's something that we have to do. There are debatable matters that come up while on this journey, and as we live aware, we'll understand what, what those are. There are non-debatable biblical positions that we must hold to as people of faith. These are the foundations of our faith. So Dr. Brescher shares what, what he calls levels of certainty. Now, here's, here's what I, I have a little kind of a gift for you today. And, and it's this. So if you'll just text in um, uh, four, if you'll, F-O-U-R, to that number. That's going to stay on the screen, 360-209-84. Then you will get a text back with these four that I'm going to teach you about right, right now. So that will stay up there, and I just encourage you to do that. But the first D is those things that we die for. To deny these things, these biblical positions, the biblical truths, knowingly would demonstrate that we are outside the boundaries of of gospel orthodoxy and perhaps not living in relationship with Jesus. So these are the things that we, that we die for. Some of them, Jesus is Lord and there's only one way to the Father and the relationship with the Father is through the Son, Jesus. We die for that truth. The Bible is our rule for faith and practice, yes? It guides us in all life. It's God's word to us and it's without error. Everybody say without error. It's a foundational truth that we hold on to. We die for that. The Trinity, the virgin birth, justification by grace alone through faith, the spirits indwelling of believers and the final judgment leading to he hell or heaven. And there are others, but there are to die for foundational truths um, in the Bible. The second is a divide for, let me explain it. As Christians, we are members of the body of Christ. So you do know that there are Christians outside of Gateway. Kind of a joke, okay? So we're part of the body of, of Christ. 
We won't be in the same local fellowship. So there are churches in our city and in our county and around the world that are meeting. We won't be in the same fellowship, but we're all part of the body of Christ. Now, I believe, it's my personal belief, that one of God's gifts to the church, the Big C Church, is a variety of faith expressions. Here's what I mean by that. There are some who like a more liturgical approach to worship. There are some who like more demonstrative worship, for example, and some who, who prefer something, something else. Some prefer one style of teaching versus one style of teaching. And as long as they're biblically based, I think they're a gift to the larger church, uh, to the larger body of Christ. The critical issue is this, do we, that we love and support one another, recognizing that these are divide for, not die for issues. It's okay if we attend another church, another fellowship, as long as we're biblically based. So we divide for over some of those things. The problem is when divide for becomes die for. You with me? So some, some years ago, we received a letter. Um, and I, long time ago, I, I, shared, I shared this, but I want to share it again this morning. We received a letter that we weren't using the King James Version Bible, which is the only authoritative word of God. And, and not only that, we weren't using a King James Version Bible, but we weren't using one that was bound in black leather. And so unless you're using a King James Version Bible bound in black leather, then you're not teaching the Word of God. Something wrong with that thinking right there, right? So there are things that we, that we divide for. And if you like the King James Version Bible, that's, that's, that's fantastic. But that's not what we die for. That's the second D. The Third D is we debate for. This is, this is important. There are things that we wrestle with within the church. We come, we come together. This includes holding on to the die fors while recognizing secondary issues and finding compromise. Again, issues arise when we make the debate fors die for. For example, um, the color of carpet. You don't like brown? Okay. Um, biblical things that are actually secondary issues. There's a problem when we make a secondary issue a die for. Then the fourth is this, a decide for. There are things that the Bible does not give us clarity on. And as Dr. Brescher points out, this is where acceptance is a virtue and legalism a real danger, especially as divisive people latch onto lower level issues, raising them into foolish controversies. So you got the four? Text in four to that number and you'll get those all back. So there are divide for, there are die for, there is divide for, there's debate for, and then finally... Um, um, there's a decide for us, and that's where we have, we have freedom in Christ. So let me ask you a question. Which one do you think Paul latched on to? The die for, right? The die for. He, he, he's addressing an issue. It's one of biblical clarity regarding faith and falls into this category. Die for. This has got to be right. You've got to get this thing right. And so he writes in the third chapter of Galatians, that's where we are today. He says this, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? If you have the NLT version, who's cast an evil spell on you? Something's happened, 
right? You got this thing wrong. You're making the, the wrong choice. The word bewitched literally means to deceive a person by devious and crafty means. Someone has come in and through crafty means, right, they are leading you astray. They're presenting you with a choice and you're deciding to go this way when you need to stop and go this way. This is a die for. Paul's saying you were on the right road having received the Spirit through belief in Christ, but something happened. Here it is right here. You, you, you listened to false teachers, and you took a wrong turn, and now you're headed in another direction. That's what's happening. The Galatian Christians had believed in Jesus and were living in the freedom of knowing, knowing Christ. That's, that's McGee's living by liberty. Then this group of false teachers came in, known as the Judaizers. They arrived on the scene, and while agreeing that one must believe in Jesus, that was not enough. And I think it was a couple weeks ago I mentioned this, that faith, faith got you started, but you got to add to that some things. So for a non-Jewish person to be included in the family of God, men must be circumcised, and you must follow all of these laws, 613 of them. Food laws, all kinds of laws. And Paul has one word for that teaching that was pulling them away. And it's this, just one word, foolish. That's foolish. It's foolish teaching. The Phillips translation has an interesting uh, take on it. It says this, oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. <laughs> now, you might not call an it, uh, a person an idiot. That, that, that's fine. But you dear idiots of Galatia? Verse 3 says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Or why are you trying to follow all those laws? You're free from that. Why, why are you doing that? Verse 5, Galatians chapter 3, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. What was the message about Christ? That Christ alone fulfilled the law. He did what we could not do. And by trusting in Jesus, we experienced a true freedom from our sins. He did what you couldn't do. He did what I couldn't do. Martin Luther called the contrast between the two covenants, law versus gospel, we've been talking about this way, works, works versus grace. And so the question is a good one. Then we read about the law in the Bible, reading about in Galatians, what, what was the role of, uh, of the law? What, what, why, why even talk about it? What was the role? The law was a covenant or a legal agreement between God and the people he chose. It was a legal agreement. There was an expectation that the Israelites would live according to the law. Obedience to the law was a must. And so that list, 613 of them. Here's what happened. The Israelites attempted to live by the law, sometimes walking out on obedience, but more than often failing to do so, failing at it. And I think we would be in the same boat. When Jesus Christ came, he did not abolish the law, and that's important for us to understand. Rather, he fulfilled the law by doing what man could not do. Are you grateful for that? Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think, Jesus, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to do what? 
Everybody say fulfill them because this is powerful. It's proper for us to think of it this way, that Jesus did not declare that there was no need for the law or that it was a mistake to give the law. No, that, that's not it. The problem was you and the problem was me. We, we have no ability to, to, to follow the law. So Paul says in verse 10 of Galatians chapter 3, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and, and do them. We had no ability to keep it. So Jesus came, the perfect one, and fulfilled the law. So what's the purpose of the law? Because Paul, now Paul answers that for us in verses 19 through 22. Just listen to what he says. Um, why then was the law given? That's the question. It was given alongside the promise, promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach um, an, an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promise? And Paul says, absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom by doing what? Believing in Jesus Christ. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been set free from the law. I have been set free from the law. And we are free to live in, um, freely by liberty. Verse 24 clarifies. He says this, Paul, let me just put it another way. So like, just in case you missed that, let me say it. This way, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. So you can look at, look at this way, look at the Bible this way. So we put the cross in the middle and uh, the Old Testament on one side. We'll bring that, there you go right there. The Old Testament pointed to the cross. The New Testament points to the cross and it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did for you and for me. Where the law made us aware of how far we fall short and we are unable to keep it. The law had no way of changing our sinful nature. Only Jesus could do that. God's desire has always been to have fellowship with mankind. Resources I use a lot called God Questions. But our sin prevented that. He gave the law to set a standard of holiness and at the same time to show that we could never meet that standard on our own, which can't be done. That's why Jesus Christ had to come to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf and then take the punishment of our violating the same law. He died in your place. He died in my place. When we receive God's forgiveness through our confession of faith in Jesus, his sacrificial death, the law is fulfilled for us. And there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. The law's condemnation does not fall on us because the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. You can read the eighth chapter of Romans. Now, does grace give us the license to live as we please? Everybody say no. No, that's going to be next week, right? Grace doesn't give us the license to live how we please. Grace gives us the power to live for Christ. He lives in us and he lives through us. So what's it look like living this? I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to tell you a little story as we wrap up. 
What's it look like leaving this out? Number one, obedience comes from inward devotion rather than outward obligation. It's inward, not outward. Do you trust in Jesus? Have you placed your faith in him? Because you're going to break a law. Number two, a relationship with the Father is personal, not legal. Have you made that personal decision to make him Lord of your life? It's personal, it's not legal. You can never get there through the law or your works. Number three, sins are forgiven rather than temporarily covered. Are you grateful for that? I am. Let me tell you a little story. A man was once called up to serve in the army of Napoleon Bonaparte, but he was fearful and did not want to be enlisted. A friend offered to take his place and assumed his identity. He was posted to the front line and was tragically killed along with many others. At that time, Napoleon's army was sustaining heavy losses and required more soldiers, and so the first man was called up again. You cannot take me, for I am dead, he said. In that battle, you left me buried in the field. Look up your books and see. So the enrolling officer duly checked his records and found it to be true. It must have been a substitute, he said. Yes, true, replied the man. He died in my place, and the law has no claim on me. For every follower of Jesus, this is the glorious truth that we experience. Jesus Christ, our substitute, died in our place, and because of him, we live free forevermore. I just want to ask you a question because we're going to pray. Do you know him? Do you know him? Because we will die for this truth. Jesus is the only way and he has set us free. I think we all would be surprised how many people struggle with this truth. And we do so because we, we look back on our past life, our, our journey perhaps, and go like, I just, I just don't think it's that easy just to say, Jesus, I trust in you and I believe in you. Look what I've done. Look at my past life. And the good news of the gospel is, it's actually that easy. Now it cost, it cost him his life. And so we have a cross, right, that reminds us of that. It cost him his life. But it's as simple as believing and trusting in Jesus regardless of our past life. Someone's fallen in the trap. Look, I just, I just gotta, I gotta prove. I gotta do. I gotta do. I gotta do. No, the gospel set us free from that, and grace gives us the power to live for Jesus. I am so thankful for that. Now I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to stand right now. Would you do that? And we're going to join together in prayer. And I'm going to invite you to do a couple things. Number one. To, to declare again your, your deep gratitude for what Jesus has done for you. Um, he didn't call us to live by the law of which we are not capable of doing. He just called us to trust in him and believe in him. And when we do, we are set free from all of our sins. So, so many of us um, will say, God, I thank you for that truth. And I will die for that truth. Um, maybe for some of us, and we might be online today, 
Um, we just not have stepped into that, that brand new life that Jesus has offered you and me. He's offered the world just by trusting in him. So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you, to, if, if that's you, to pray along with me. I say it every time. There's no magic words that you have to line up. You just gotta say, Jesus, I trust in you and uh, I wanna make you Lord of, of my life. So first, let's give him a thanks. Shall we do that? So Father, we, we gather today and we just pause and we say, thank you, thank you. Yeah, there's, there's just no way that, that we can get there on our own. And so God, you sent your son Jesus to die in our place, to be our substitute. You fulfilled the law on our behalf. And so, so many of us say in this building and online, we're just stopping, we're going, God, thank you for that today. Thank you for that. Thank you for the freedom that the gospel brings into our lives. But perhaps some of us today, like we've, we've, never, we've never placed our trust in you. Maybe we've held back. We've looked at our past life and go like, I, I just don't deserve that or I can't get there. And all this saying, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and come into my life. I give my life to you. I make you Lord. And if you just prayed that simple prayer, you're living a life of freedom. Jesus has made you a brand new person. And Father, we join with the angels in heaven saying thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Our God is a consuming fire, burning holy flame with glory and freedom. Our God is the roundly righteous judge, ruling over us with kindness and wisdom. We will keep our eyes on. We will keep our eyes.